what? I think we just need to kick this off by talking about the fact that everything has been going against us. <laughs> I feel like that's a great starting point because what in the world, man? Like, literally everything, everything. Like, first. No, I know. Week, My family falling apart and everything. Yeah. Last week we were supposed to meet. Your son got sick. And, you know, then. I had an interview with someone else that by the end of the week, so we couldn't, like, make it work. This weekend was busy. And then today, my technology is shutting down. You had you were running late, too. Like, what in the world is happening? Well, we know what's happening. Oh, we know. It's spiritual. That's what it is. It's about the real good and someone's scared. <laughs> but it's okay. We're going to press through, and we're just going to get through it. We're doing it. Yes. So. We're live. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, first of all, I'm a believer. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I could go on forever. A friend, a baker, a home mom, a daycare provider, a doctor, a homemaker, a vet, <laughs> a mm-hmm. gardener, a home decor, a mechanic, a handyman. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'm everything. Um, I don't even think about it. I just get things done. That's good. That's how you got to be. Mm, seriously. This is Justine that we're talking to. And like you just heard, she wears a lot of hats. But I would say the main one, if I were to think about Justine, is definitely a woman of faith, a mom, a wife. And then, of course, just homemaker, right? Because all of those things that you said are pretty much it's, it's building and caring for your home, and that includes your family, right? So right. the gardening, the homemaking, the baking, all that stuff has to do with, you know, taking care of your family. Very much like a proverb woman, you know, like taking care of the household, but also still you have your daycare that is your, your you know, your Yes, it's your profession and your career, but it's also like a gift because so many people would love to have a a faithful person watching their kids, you know? Right. Every every um wife's goal, but um I never thought of it like that, but although I am a leaking vessel and although I am I do have flaws and a lot of things that I work on daily, uh I do try my best to um to just follow God's lead um, and in everything that I do and, you know, just stay, stay in line with my convictions and just get things done, you know? Like, I, I feel like God has opened up a lot of doors for me and I didn't think of it before, but now looking back how, like, God has opened these doors for me and I just stepped through them um, not realizing by faith that I was just out anything that came at me, I was just willing to just get things done. And then now looking back, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like no wonder why, you know, I moved to Arizona. No wonder why, uh, you know, I, I am the way I am with my boys. No wonder why I'm a daycare provider. You know, I didn't think of it then. Not that being a daycare provider never was in my plans, but, those 
opportunities just fell on me and I ran with it, not knowing that God has had that all in store all along so that that way I'm in a position where now I'm able to homeschool my boys. Um, after I got saved, I just had like this. It was literally like a whole week of God dealing with me and just giving me revelation and revelation and revelation after revelation. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. She even gave me the opportunity to remember when I was a little girl and thinking about, reminded me of all the things that I prayed for that I now have that that innocently I took for granted. Um, so now looking back, I'm just like, wow, I, I didn't realize, but God really does like guide our path. Even when we are, um, innocently are, uh, unknowing, you know, that we're, we're aligning ourselves with God without us even realizing until God reminds you and you're like, wow, he's been there all this time. Mm-hmm. The whole yeah. time. The whole time. Um, and I think it actually, like, makes sense that you're a daycare provider. Like, to me, when I heard your story, I was like, that makes sense. Like, she's, like, such a blessing in all these kids' lives. And yeah. And I didn't realize it either. But, like, me running a daycare, obviously, like, you know, I go to church and we go to, you know, we fellowship and we go to outreach. And, you know, everybody has their own ministry. And I didn't realize, but God also, like, revealed to me, like, not that, like, I'm not out there, like, you know, preaching and, you know, trying to outreach and get people to come to my church. Like, it's not even that. Like, God is giving me the opportunity where he's bringing families to my door. And mm-hmm. these these parents, you know, like, you know, just I be, I'm a friend and, you know, they end up just, like, venting to me. Um, and then I'm, I have the opportunity to, to share what God has done for me. And, and I don't always go into depth of everything that, you know, or, you know, what I've been through, but I'm just like, you need Jesus. <laughs> Get it together. And I know, and they think that I'm just like this religious person. They're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just not as religious as you. And I'm like, I'm not religious. Like, what? <laughs> You know, I have a personal relationship with God and you need to just draw closer to God and he'll guide you, you know, but just me saying those simplest things, they literally like they may push me away or like, you know, ignore the fact they just think that, oh, I'm just being religious. They literally it draw it opens it, it plants a seed in them where they come back for more and then we get deeper and deeper. And then before you know it, I've been running daycare for going on seven years. And um, believe it or not, like there's been three families that um, three families that have been like consistently serving God in 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 my church, like where they have gone consistently and and they may have, you know, like, you know, not go anymore or but they're always drawn back. And although I'm not taking care of their kids anymore, now we have a different relationship or now they're like members of my church. So it's been a blessing. Yeah, and I think what um, I think the what happens when you first get saved, right? Is you don't know what to do with it, but then right. eventually God shows you that you know He is front and center in everything that you do. I everybody knows you know the garage gym, right? And my little thing that I do is I play Christian rap, and like it's not anything that I thought out too much. I just 
wanted to listen to that. <laughs> I didn't yeah, really you play what you think. like to listen to. Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. I wasn't like, you know, saying, I didn't mention anything about it. But how many people were like, what is this? You know, and, and it opened up a conversation in like, oh, so what church do you go to or what, what Bible study do you have or whatever, and, and somehow opened that door. Um, but I think the the point is that in everything you do, put God first, right? So yeah. because that's now your career, it's also a part of your ministry to reach those people, even when you don't even intentionally do it all the time. Sometimes it's just kind of like rolls off the tongue or it kind of just happens to come up because that's who you are. It, it's yeah. no longer something you do. It's who you are. So you just, you just kind of, it just happens. Well, innocently, people don't realize that by you, by you just playing the music, they're like, oh, I don't know what it is, but I just feel comfortable there. Even for me, like attending your gym, like I don't listen to worldly music, you know? And so like for me to even go to your gym and work out to like, you know, um, you know, Christian rap or whatever, um, it's just like you can feel the presence of God. And although people may not align with that or understand that, but that's really what they're feeling and why they feel so comfortable being in your presence and being in your home because you have God in the center, even if it's something so small as playing some music. Right. Like it reminds me of this TikTok I saw that was like, oh, people will be like, I love your energy. I love your personality. It's like, oh, that's not me, honey. That's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Are people always like come to my home and they're like, "Oh, it's just like it's so homey here." I'm like, "That's God." Like, mm-hmm. we stay prayed up in this house, and and honestly, like, I'm just so thankful that God has given me the opportunity to like just reach families and and just you know share what He's done. That's simply what it is. Is just sharing what he's done in my life because I don't know it all. I really don't. I don't, I, you know, I wish I can say that I can, I can quote every scripture in the Bible and, you know, like know everything. But honestly, I feel like God's greatness is so great that we wouldn't even be able to comprehend even if we wanted to, you know? So like just the fact that like he's given me a, piece of what I know and the fact that his power is so great that the things that I'm able to even um, experience his power is so great that it just that such people you know yeah yeah and um, obviously I got the pleasure of hearing your story and it's so crazy because what happened was you went to our uh, tea party church and we had a scheduled like speeches, right? But I mm-hmm. told I told the pastor like I would like to open it up to the crowd at the end and see if anybody wants to, you know, speak. And I, I think I was like the only one that volunteered. Oh no, was there somebody else? I think like Paula, Paula, Paula. Oh yeah. Um, but. I didn't know if anybody would do it. You know what I mean? Like, I kind of was like, I want to open it up, keep that door open, not sure anybody's going to, like, want to get up and say it, especially if we had guests that don't come to the church regularly. I wasn't sure if anybody was going to speak. And to be honest with you, I had no idea about anything about you. 
I just knew how to take care. But that day, I obviously learned a lot about. It. Oh so, yeah, I spilled. I spilled all the beans. Spilled the beans. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously, you have a pretty epic story, and you know, at the end of the day, it's a beautiful story because you found God. So, whatever you're comfortable sharing, tell us your testimony. How did you come to Jesus? Well, so like just to not go too way too deep into like you know my upbringing, but I do want to mention a little bit of my upbringing because it has a lot to do of you know what the outcome was. So, um, so I grew up in I don't want to say foster care, but like I was raised by my grandparents, um, my maternal grandparents and my paternal grandparents. So. Um, both of my parents, unfortunately, were, you know, just living um, the street life. You know, they were unfortunately bound by drugs and alcohol. Um, and that, that because of that, you know, they, um, they got their kids taken away. And so my, my parents, my mom and dad, have four kids together. Um, that's me and my two sisters and my brother. And then um, my dad, you know, moved on and had another two kids from, um, she's, she's not my stepmom, but she's my stepmom. I, I say she's not my stepmom because her and my dad are no longer together, but she's, she's, she's my stepmom. She's mom. I'm closer to her than both my parents put together till this day. So, um, you know, he moved on and had another two kids from her. And then my mom had another four kids from, from somebody else. So all together, I'm one of ten, and I'm the oldest. <laughs> wow! So, I know, um, but like out of us four, like the ones that share the same mom and dad, like we're we're the ones that have always like kind of stuck together, or um, you know, we're always in a sense like you know, we kind of grew up together. We weren't my stepmom raised her kids. And then my mom with the other four that she had, she she's always taking care of those ones. Um, but for us four, um, unfortunately, like we, my brother and my sisters and I were separated, but my sisters and I always stood together. For some reason, I don't know why, but like my grandparents always kept us girls together. And so, um, and, and honestly, like, I don't really want to go too much into that because as far as like you know because we were going back and forth from grandparents and and i get it like to raise somebody else's kids it's a lot like nobody wants to be put in a position of raising someone else's kids especially with you know all the dysfunction and you know the family drama and whatnot so we were always like bounced from one grandparent's house to the other like it was just back and forth but going back you know looking back now I, I don't even blame them. Like, could we have all done things better? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, they were put in a position that nobody should have had to. They did the best, whether anybody thinks that they could have, you know, done better. They still did the best that they had to work with, if that makes sense. Um, so with that being said, my dad's parents um, were, we grew they went to church and like we were hardcore Christians. Like we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, every other Friday, we held Bible study at our house. 
But the thing is, is like, with that being said, too, we were also like very lukewarm. You know, the outside, we look like, like we were serving God, like hardcore. And, but behind closed doors, unfortunately, like it was very different, you know, like there was, it was very dysfunctional, you know? So growing up, it was very confusing because for us girls, like for me and my aunts, I felt like we, and I can't speak for them, but for me, it was just like, well, why am I going to serve God if this is the outcome anyways? Like, there wasn't really no change because I knew what happened behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, but I'm so grateful that, you know, like they planted a seed, you know, I wasn't, I don't, I think we take for granted, you know, as when we're younger, but now looking back, I'm like, wow, like I'm grateful that they planted a seed and they even introduced me and bring me to church because when I fell on my knees, I knew where to turn. You know, I, I didn't have anybody, but, but, prayer um Mm -hmm. so you know so my upbringing was kind of like very dysfunctional you know my parents in and out of my life and you know they were bound by drugs and alcohol and it caused me especially because I'm the oldest to, to grow up fast I really didn't have a childhood because I was so busy worried about my parents or worried about my siblings that I just had to grow up (laughs) bottom line is just she needed to figure things out and um that was just my mentality like just seems just needs to grow up (laughs) so i did and um so you know as as years went on um i ended up um getting guardianship of of my two sisters that i was lived that i grew up with when um i turned 18 um I, my grandparents called me and basically said, you know, we're not going to you know, take care of the girls anymore. There was a lot of issues that ha- had happened, you know, and until this day, I really don't know. And I really don't even care. I just, again, did what I had to do. Um, they, they just said, you know, we're, you're either going to take care of them or they're going to go to foster care. And I was like, okay, I'm literally sleeping on my grandpa's couch. Like, what am I going to do with two girls? And there I was, again, put in another position where I needed to figure it out, and I did. So um, I ended up getting my, getting, um, getting my own place, you know, and, and just figuring things out and raising two teenage girls when I was a teenager myself. But honestly, in, it could have been worse, you know? Like, I, don't, I wouldn't change it any other way because, honestly, at the end of the day, I didn't want my sisters in foster care. I, I didn't want any of us in foster care. So I just figured it out. Um, with all of that said, like, you know, backtracking a little bit because, um, you know, I, obviously I was in my feelings of feeling rejection and being a burden or feeling unloved or being broken or feeling lost. It caused me to be like a runner or find love in all the wrong places. So I, um, I seek love like in boys, you know, and um when I was, you know, young and living with my grandparents, like they you their thing was is you can't have a boyfriend but you could have friends. And when you're young like and dumb, you don't you just think like, Well what does that mean? Boys don't know how to be like friends. They wanna like be your your boyfriend. Like what? So that was very confusing. So 
at the time, you know, and because of everything that I was going through, I seek loved with with boys and that's where I met my husband. We were fourteen and we were like in high school and and I got in a lot of trouble to be with him. <laughs> um a lot of trouble. Like my grandparents moved me to school, like um I eventually moved out of state, like honestly uh, I don't even know how we're together to today. But now I mean I know now it's sad, but like <laughs> Like, they went to the extreme um, of keeping us apart, and I went to the extreme of still seeing him. But um, with that being said, too, like, you know, with me having to get the girls, there was a time where, like, I was partying and going out and drinking with my friends, and then when my grandparents slammed me with, you know, you're going to take care of your sisters, I'm like, okay. My life just went on a complete pause. And at the time, you know, my husband now was like, you know, behind the scenes asking me to be his girlfriend again. So I'm like, well, I guess since my life has to slow down, I guess let's work this out. <laughs> <laughs> we did. And um, honestly, we, I think what, we were like 18, 19, and um, he spent the night one day um, when I got on my feet with, you know, having my sisters, and he never went home. Mm-hmm. And so today we're still together. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, fast forward to to you know what has really brought me to waking up and being saved and serving God the way that I do now is you know my husband and I we had my son and because of my roots of growing up in church I even though I felt like what's the point of going to church? I always knew in my heart that I wanted to serve God. And I wanted my kids to grow up in church. Not the way I did, but there had to have been a different way because you see these people in church and they're just like glowing for God. But like, even though I grew up in church, I never experienced that. So it was just like, what do they have that I don't have? You know, so you always just have that that desire to serve God the way other people do because you just see the peace that they have. So growing up as a young adult, after having my first son, I was just like, I, I know that that's what I want. I want to be married to a man of God. And I want to, to um, you just have these desires, these unspoken desires, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but my husband would always pull up the Catholic cards, like, I'm Catholic, like, you know, Sunday was always on, um, church was always on Sunday, so it was football day, so, like, he would, I'd be like, let's go to church, and he would be like, oh, like, um, you're on your own, or, oh, I, I'm watching the game, or, oh, I'm a, I grew up a Catholic, I'm like, well, what does that even mean, <laughs> like, you know, we, we got married in the church, you know, my, my, my uncle was a pastor, and he married us at, uh, so why do you keep pulling the Catholic card? Like, that was our biggest argument. But then, um, so he would always, like, he didn't lead me to where I wanted to be. And because I didn't have that push, I just fell into, well, I guess, like, this is the way it is. Well, um, you know, fast forward to a few years have gone by. And honestly, like, 
I, I've been very blessed. You know, I, I, we moved to Arizona when um, my son was a year and a half. And, and honestly, like God had just opened up doors. Like we moved over here on, Hall- on a Hall- Halloween night um, with $1,000 in our pocket. We were going to live with family. And we moved to Arizona because my, my aunt at the time was convincing us that the houses were so cheap and that if we were going to move, now was the time because, you know, like if we wait any longer, then the houses were just going to go up higher. And so we had nothing to lose. So my husband agreed. I don't even know how that happened, but he agreed like, yeah, let's move. And I was like shocked. So I jumped on that opportunity. I said, all right, let's go. So we did. And we moved over here on Halloween night. And then a year later on Halloween night, we were literally signing the contract to have our home built. And so I knew right then and there, like, although I wasn't in church and although I wasn't serving God, I knew like, well, like, what are the odds of that? Like, that has to be God. So um, we moved into our home and then it was like, well, we need to find a church, you know. So there was this church. Um, not too far away from from our home that my aunt had invited us to, and honestly, like we would go occasionally, like every like every other Christian went on the holidays or Easter, or like you know we would just go occasionally or whenever my husband agreed or felt like like he would stumble into church, um, and it was weird because like that pastor, it was a small pioneer church, and that pastor. He would like occasionally reach out to us like when he didn't see us for a long time. And it was the weirdest thing. Every time he reached out to us, um, we were on, um, we, w- we would be on vacation, like on a little staycation and like or a hotel or at the lake or, you know, in Sedona at the, at the waterfall or something. Like we were always out every time he messaged us and he would be like, hey, just checking in on you guys. How are you guys doing? And innocently i'm like oh we're doing so good and i would send him pictures and but now looking back i'm like he probably looked at those pictures and just laughed like really like i know you guys are not serving god you guys are not doing this (laughs) i like in my head i wanted to prove to him like look we're doing good you know and um so then over the um so that had been going on for like a few years and then there was one period of time where like we didn't hear from him and like I didn't hear from um I didn't hear from him and you know he hadn't reached out and um and I never like was drawn to go to church because I feel like we we had it all I feel like like we had the car we had the business I had my you know running my daycare it was going so smooth I was making really good money my husband had a good job you know I had the house um, I, and that was very important for me to have like the home because like I never had a stable home because of my upbringing and because my parents were, were absent in my life. It was so important for me to have a home. So once I got my home, it was like, I was on cloud nine. I had, ev- I felt like I had everything, but I didn't realize like now looking back, I'm like, wow, like, although God blesses you with, with the things that you have, so does the enemy. The enemy will also bless you to keep you away from God. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, why do why do I need to go to church? 
I thought things were going well with my husband and I, and so like I have, I have like the American dream in my own little world. Like I have it all. So I don't need to go to church because we fall into that mentality where we only go to God, like when we're hurting or when we need something. So I had everything I thought. So like why, what, there was no reason to go to church. Mm-hmm. And I feel really horrible for saying that, but it's true. Like, we just fall into that innocently, you know? And, um, and one day it's just like, so what, ha- what ended up happening, what really like drew my husband and I and literally rocked our world and a re- that reality check and a slap in our face was although I had everything and although like my husband and I behind the scenes, we started dabbling into like a lot of different things like we um you know I was I I was making good money so it was just like well we our home like my husband likes to say our home was the party house but it really wasn't the party house it was just a house that like everybody like all of our family liked to come to where they didn't have to worry about their kids because my house is so kid friendly that like everybody could drink and have a good time and Nobody has to worry about their kids. You know what I mean? So that's when I think what he means by like our house is a party house. But we started drinking really heavy. And I, I don't, I hate to think that we were like becoming alcoholics, but we kind of were like uh-huh. every weekend, you know, we were always drinking our, and even like, you know, after daycare, I, I would start cooking dinner and I would like want to drink, you know, one or two beers just to wind down. Um, and then like, before you knew it, um, my husband was like, okay with me. Like I one my girlfriends from California were having, um, like a girl's weekend. And I remember telling him like, Hey, what do you think about me going? And he was just like, yeah, like have fun. You know, he didn't really like care. <laughs> um, so I ended up going and when I went like, so I've always been around like drugs and alcohol, but I was always the one that was like, everyone knew that I was the church girl. So like nobody pressured me to do drugs. And I always stood away from drugs because I knew that they're there because you're supposed to like them. And I knew the damage they did to my family. So I always just stood away from them. But for some reason, I went on this girl's trip and everybody was like getting high and and doing coke and drinking and honestly I feel like I was in a time of of my life where like I wanted to I felt like everything was just so routine or uh I was tired of being like that boring girl you know Mm -hmm. although I don't think I'm boring because I'm very talkative and I'm very outgoing but I in my own thoughts I felt like I was being like I was tired of being the mom, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, um, I just remember like, like, oh, I'll try it. And my friends were even blown away. They're like, what? Like, no. They even told me, no, you can't have any. I'm like, mm-hmm. no. And I remember like, because my husband, uh, when we were younger, like he was the one that was partying and like did drugs. And I was the one who was like, if you're going to be with me and if we're going to make this work, then you... Like, you have to pick because I'm not going to live like that. So when I went on this girl's trip and I ended up trying drugs, I actually came home with it. And 
my husband was like, I remember telling him like, oh, I have a confession. And I thought like, I don't know why I did this, but like, and he's like, what? And I'm like, I tried Coke and I, and I liked it. I brought it home. And he was just like, what? Where have you been my whole life? He was so excited. And like, he was actually like really happy about it. And I'm like, I don't, I felt like I was a little kid again. And although like I had my, my, my sons, but like, you get so deceived, like into like, oh, if I try this or if, if I make him happy doing this or, you know, we, we started to open up doors. Uh, we, I remember he watched um, some stupid movie, uh, 50 Shades of Grey, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize, but like he was dabbling in pornography and mm-hmm. honestly, like it didn't bother me because I felt like I was in that that period of my my life where I wanted to be the cool wife and I felt like if I did this or if I was open to this or if I allowed him to do this or if I tried this then like I felt like I was going through like a a early midlife crisis like you know we've been together for so long and although we're still young I felt like I had forever of my life to still go with him so if I tried or allowed him to do certain things or did things with him or, and it wasn't even really him, honestly. It was me. Like, it's not like he pressured me. It was me just having these, like, fantasies or thoughts. And, and honestly, I feel like it, it, we have to be careful, like, what we watch. And, and I don't, and I feel like social media, you know, kind of like draws, I feel like women that you have to meet the standard. You know what I mean? And so, I felt like if I just did these things or been okay with it, then he would never leave me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, like why, why would he leave me or why would, why would he have a reason to, and I don't know why he, I thought that he would leave me. I feel like it had a lot to do with like, you know, my generational curses that I didn't realize that I was, I was, um, caring because like, of the rejection of growing up with my family or like, you know, with my parents or that, you know, me didn't, me not having my dad or, you know, me not having my mom. I felt like I dragged that a lot into my insecurities because I felt like uh, maybe I would lose him, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like a attachment. Like you had, um, the, the fear of, yeah abandonment there you go exactly the fear of him like abandoning me um and it's really nothing he did it it was me it was just me and my my own insecurities and although we've been together for a lifetime it's just like something that i was just i feared i i feared that like any moment he could leave me and i don't know why what well, I know why now, you know, it's just, it, it was my own, um, my own mind battles. And so, um, so, so what ended up happening is, um, I forget where I left off. <laughs> you were trying to be the cool wife. Oh yeah. I was trying to be the cool wife. And unfortunately, uh, that just opened up. Uh, a can of worms because we innocently without us even realize opened up a lot of doors for the enemy to come and destroy my marriage 
Um, and um, with all that being said, um, my husband ended up having an affair. Um, and um, when when all of that came out, honestly, it was it was um, probably the hardest time of my life because. But then I don't know why I felt like like I wasn't surprised because remember I was building myself up with like, oh, well, what if he leaves me? What if he leaves me? So right. I, I always like, not that I didn't trust him, but I wasn't like, it was just like, well, the, like I was right. I knew it. Like mm -hmm. I treated him like my, like my enemy. Like I always had to, I like without me even trying or innocently i felt like i i treated my husband like and don't get me wrong i love him and i i, I grew up with him he's like my high, he's my high school sweetheart so like i thought i respected him and i thought that i loved him and i thought that i showed him all the love and i thought i treated him like my my life partner but really because of the things that i was battling from my upbringing i brought that into my marriage and I ended up, like, I feel like pushing him away. Like, I didn't allow him to be a man. I didn't mm -hmm. allow him to, like, be a leader. I didn't, I like, I didn't allow him to do certain things in our home because, like, I didn't trust him to lead us, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, I always had to be 10 steps ahead of him because he was going to fail. And not that he did anything that, that made me feel like that. It's just... I always had, like, financially, I always had to be secure. Um, just just in every day, the way I treated him, like, I, I thought I respected him, but I did I really, like, I felt like I, I was the dominant one in the relationship. I was always, like, if he ever said anything, I shut it down. Or I, like, you know, and I didn't mean to. It just, it's just the way I was. I was, like, a mess. <laughs> I was uncontrollable <laughs> and he didn't have like a word to say in anything that went in our life it was just my way or no way and if you didn't like it I don't really care because I'm gonna take care of me anyways like mm -hmm. that was my attitude and I maybe didn't say that but that's the way I treated him you know and so he ended up he ended up having an affair, and when when all of that happened, I wasn't surprised, but then it still broke me, you know? It still hurt me. It still shattered me, and even in that moment when everything came out, I was just like, okay, well, this is just another thing that I'm just going to have to figure out, and I'm just, I'm going to be fine because that's who I am. I'm just seeing. I figure things out, and I'm going to get things done, and I don't like the situation that I'm in, but it is what it is. That's my life. My whole life has been hard anyways. You know, and so that was at first my mentality, but then, but then going back to like, you know, that pastor reaching out to us and my husband has never been one to like willingly want to go to church. And for some reason, when, when everything came out and everything got exposed, the first person he called was our, was that pastor. I don't even want to say that was our pastor because he wasn't our pastor we weren't even attending church prior to that we hadn't even seen him in like two or three years so he called that that pastor that had always been checking up on us 
And I was, I remember I was raging. I was so mad. I was like, now you want to call pastor? Now you want to go to church? Because I, I just didn't believe that, like, that he, that he would even consider calling, calling the pastor. Like, what? And now looking back, I'm so glad that he did. Because for once in our lives, he led us to the right mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was so like he wasn't a jerk about it. Like honestly, like even though everything had came out, like he wasn't a jerk about it. He was very like remorseful. He was very humble. And I and I, I was the one that was like crazy monster. Like honestly, I he called the pastor over because he was like this thing's going crazy. I messed up. You know he. He took accountability. He took ownership. He's like, I had an affair. Justine just found out. I need you to come to my house. And the pastor was like, okay, well, I'll be there. Well, at the time, I wanted to leave because I didn't want nothing to do with church and God. I couldn't believe, like, that God would allow this to happen to me. So I was just, like, mad at God. I was mad at the pastor. I was mad at my husband. Um, I I knew that I was going to attack my husband. So before my husband got home, I had someone, like, take care of my kids so my kids weren't home so can you imagine it was just him and I and I was just like going crazy throwing mm-hmm. things breaking things like I was a mess and the pastor ended up coming and I remember just seeing him out of my house mm-hmm. the way that he explains it now he says it was like the matrix but <laughs> he I was throwing things at him I was throwing things all over the house and he literally just sat there and just took it and he's like Okay, so the living situation. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like there is no living situation. Like he needs to leave, or I need to leave, and he was just like, okay. <laughs> like he was just so <laughs> calm, and my husband was just there, like a kid that that looked like he was in trouble. You know. <laughs> I remember they gave me my space. Um, I ended up taking off. Um, I, I took off to California for a couple of days and um, that was kind of pointless because the whole time I was gone, I, I was just arguing with my husband on the phone. I ended up coming home and all of a sudden he wants to go to church. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, all I ever wanted you to do was to serve God. And although I wasn't nagging you about it, like, that's what all my innocent, like, you know, like my heart has always desired to like him to be a man of God. And although we weren't living it, like I just like always desired that. So I didn't understand the shift that was happening. And I just remember he was grabbing a hold of the pastor and the pastor just took him under his wing and mentored him and like was literally like not coaching him, but just being there as a supporter and just guiding him through through my feelings and through my reactions and through my, like, through the ups and downs that we were going through because although I was mad at him, I never kicked him out. Like, I just said, well, fine. Like, because my husband is, like, such a good dad, like, that I'll never take away from him, you know? He's the best dad that I could ever ask for my kids to have, so he's very hands-on. And although I didn't know what I wanted to do, I didn't want to kick him out because I didn't know if we were going to work things out or not. And I didn't want to do that to the kids. So I said, you know what, we're just going to live separate for now. 
And when I mean separate, like in separate rooms, mm-hmm. because I'm the one with family here in Arizona. He's not. So where is he really going to go? If anything, I felt like it was going to cost me more money putting him in a hotel, <laughs> you know, or him spending his money that he, he could be spending on the mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he ended up just sleeping in the, the spare room. And honestly, we went through the emotions of like up and down. Like very, like one minute I was happy, the next minute I was sad, the next minute I was punching him out, the next minute we were rolling around on the floor crying, then I was like very depressed. I was just like, one minute I wanted to be close, next minute I couldn't stand him. Like I couldn't stand his presence, I hated him. And really what it was is I felt like my life was over. Like I didn't know how to pick up the pieces, even if I wanted to work things out with him. And I knew like, I knew it was unacceptable. So, like, I just felt like, how am I going to let this guy just, like, it was my pride, you know? Like, I couldn't couldn't allow him to, like, get away with murder. Here's what it really felt. Mm -hmm. And um, I just remember, um, I just remember, like, he was going to church and he wanted me to go to church with him. And I said, no. I said, if you're going to serve God, you're going to serve God on your own. because maliciously or me being manipulative, I was like, let's see if he's really serious about this. Like, let's see if he's really going to serve God or is this all a front? Mm -hmm. So I let him go to church by himself a couple of times and he did. Um, He went to church and he would take the kids with him. And then eventually, like, I slowly started to go with him. And even then, though, it didn't solve anything I was still battling and I just remember going to church with him one day and he came out of church and he's like man I feel so good like I feel like peace I feel like I feel so loved I feel like I feel really good about myself and I just remember looking at him like you piece of crap like good for you like I was so angry like like how is God going to touch you first when I'm the one that got hurt? Like, what mm-hmm. do you mean you feel good? Like, I feel like crap. Like, I can stand you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just remember feeling like that and just seeing him, like, with this light. And then that's when my whole world changed. Like, literally. And in this time, remember, like, that pastor that had came over, he he really didn't, like, he didn't harass me. Like, he li- literally left me in li- the lion's den. Like, he left me by myself. Like, he took my husband under his wing and mentored him and guided him, but he really left me alone. And I was just so confused. Like, is anybody going to check up on me? <laughs> but really, like, he just left me alone. And I clo- I didn't want to talk to, like, any outsider. Like, I... Cl- I um isolated myself from the world like I got off of social media I stopped talking to my family um I just isolated myself and I was very depressed in this time that I was like dealing with this and I'm so glad that I did that you know like because I just didn't realize it then but I just needed it to be me and God. And it wasn't just me and God, though. It was me, God, and the enemy because I was literally going through spiritual warfare. 
at the time I didn't realize what it was, but now looking back, I'm like, wow, like I went head on with the enemy and God pulled me out of it. And so what ended up happening was um, in that time, you know, where my husband has this, like he's glowing and he's all lit up and I'm just like resentful and building up all these emotions that mean like hating the fact that like that he's feeling better than me, you know, and I felt like he should, my pride didn't allow me to like, like glorify that you know, and glorify God for that. I was just like trying to knock him because of how bad I was feeling. And I just remember God dealing with me and saying, how can you punish him for something he's already been forgiven of? Hmm. And I just remember hearing that and I'm like, what? But And then I, I was, was catching myself, talking to myself, like in my own thoughts, like how... How how is he forgiven? Like God, like he cheated on me. Like he had an affair. Like I have grounds for divorce. Your word says I have grounds. Like how are you making? Why do I feel like I'm the one in trouble and he's the one that's off the hook? Like how? Yeah. Like what do you mean? And I just remember like God dealing with me and just like. Telling, like, I just remember hearing the voice of, like, surrender. Like, I remember really strongly feeling like what I wanted to do, which was get a divorce, felt like death. And what I didn't want to do was to work on my marriage the way that my husband was putting in the effort. I didn't want to do that. But what I didn't want to do felt like life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was like, why am I feeling like this? Like, I don't want, I don't want this. My pride didn't allow me to like accept what God was putting in my heart. So I was pushing it away. And I remember just being depressed and just being in bed. And my husband's like, he was like, how I said, he wasn't a jerk about it. Like he never left. He was very remorseful. He was very sorry. And so like, he made it hard for me to kick him out (laughs) and to like get the divorce because he was like all in of like making our marriage work and I didn't know how to accept it. So I remember being stuck in bed and my husband came to the room and he was like, babe, like just get out of the house, go to Costco. And so I ended up getting out of the house and I remember that was the first time I was, I actually had got out of the house in, in a public setting and I was by myself and I remember being tormented. I was in Costco and I literally I literally felt like if I would have made eye contact with any female, like I would have like harassed her. Like I felt like, is it her? Is it her? Is 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 she staring at me? I felt like the woman that he had an affair with, which till today I don't even know what she looks like or what who she is. All I know is someone that he worked with. But like I just like was I was being tormented that, like, I felt like she was at hospital and she was staring at me. And now I know it was just the enemy just torturing me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I remember leave. I was, I started hypoventilating and I had to just leave Costco. So I left Costco and I remember crying and praying and telling, yelling at God, like, God, like, if you want me to be in this marriage and if you want me to fight for my marriage the way that he is, then I need to know that this is you because I want a divorce. And I remember this being on a Saturday. Um, 
And I said, if you don't come through and make your reveal yourself to me by Monday, which I probably should not have given him an ultimatum, but mm-hmm. if you don't come through by Monday, I'm getting a divorce because I can't handle the emotional roller coasters anymore. I can't live like this. I didn't want to live in torment. You know, I can't even go to Costco. Serious? Like, I'm not going to live like this, God. And so I remember coming home. And I ended up putting myself to sleep. And the next day was Father's Day. It was a Sunday. And I remember going to church. And for once, because him and I had been arguing, like, one minute we were fine, the next minute we weren't. Like, it was like that for a couple weeks. And every day was just different. But every day we argued, we fought. Like, I felt entitled. Like, I couldn't wait till he got home so that I can pick a fight with him. Because I felt like he deserved it. Or I felt like, like. He he was my punching bag, really, and he took every single punch. But I remember that Sunday we didn't argue, and I remember like just thinking we we go to morning service and we go to night service, and I remember we were just laying down in bed and we were laughing and we were talking, and I just remember thinking, wow, we didn't argue today. And as I thought that, I remember putting my head back, and um. I closed my eyes for a second, and as soon as I closed my eyes, it's kind of like that where the Bible says that the enemy comes at you like fiery darts, like, you know, he comes to assault you. And it was literally just like that. I had these visions of my husband and another female. I couldn't make out what she looked like, but I knew it wasn't me. And so I just remember, like, literally, like, crying but my eyes were still closed and I couldn't open them and my husband was like babe what's wrong what's wrong and I I heard him but I didn't want to respond to him because in my head I was like I don't if I say something it's going to be an attitude it's going to be an argument and I really didn't want to argue with him like I genuinely didn't and so I just sat there with my laid there with my eyes closed and he realized that I was battling. So he kind of just left me alone. And in that moment while I'm battling, um, I was crying and I was um, getting these images, like, and they were coming, like the scripture says, like fiery darks coming and going, coming and fading away. And before you knew it, um, before you knew it, I was trying to sing that song, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And it's a real popular song, so, like, I know the words, but for some reason, I couldn't make out the words for some reason. And so I was I was literally in the middle of spiritual warfare and battling between, like, the enemy attacking me and God, like, me, me, I don't feel like God dropped on me, but, like, I feel like I was, I was, I was willing to surrender and I was pushing, you know, like, literally fighting. Um, spiritually in in my spirit and um, all of a sudden my husband just comes up from behind me because I was laying down because I had turned away from him he from, you know behind me and he just hugs me and as he hugs me I swear like it was the most realist experience I've ever experienced in my life literally God like I was touched like God like filled me with his presence, all of a sudden, those images just vanished. They they just, like, went away. Um, 
I was able to get make that song play out in my head. And I literally felt the presence of God through my husband, like him hugging me. And I just remember thinking that God reminded me, like he gave me this revelation that through my husband hugging me, that that that, that was my answer to prayer, that I needed to to be in this marriage. And I needed to give my husband the opportunity to be a man that he was called to be and allow him to lead and not me be the dominant one in in the marriage. And for once in our lives, like we did things our way, but our way doesn't work. So for once, we need to put God in the center of our of my home and allow him like God said, yeah, you have grounds for divorce, but should you have known better or should ha- should my husband have known better to, to not have an affair? Yeah, obviously that's common sense. But we weren't serving God. It wasn't under God. So we did things our way and it was a complete fail. Now we need to do things God's way. Mm-hmm. And trust God that God was going to change our marriage. And so I had to grieve my past and I had to just look forward for my future. And if I did that, then God was going to honor that and God was going to have favor in that. And I was going to have blessing after blessing. And all of that came to revelation as my husband hugged me. And I was just like blown away that I like, it was the realest thing I've ever experienced. And I just remember opening my eyes and sharing everything that I just shared with you with my husband. And he couldn't believe it, but he knew it was real because he witnessed it. So I just remember like after I shared it with him, I started hypoventilating. I was freaking out, crying because like I couldn't believe what I just experienced. I had so much peace. I looked at my husband. I gave him a kiss and I said, good night. I woke up the next day and literally like I was delivered. Like we never fought again, like about that issue. We right. never, like, I literally, like, people say all the time, oh, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. No, God has given me the the ability to not only forgive my husband for what he's done, but also forget what he has done. And don't get me wrong, the enemy is a sore loser. I would be randomly, like, washing dishes, and all of a sudden, I would have that thought, like, you're just going to let him get away with it. And in my head, I'm like, like, I'm going to get him <laughs> when he gets home. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he'd come home with, like, the, the smallest things, like jalapenos from the movie theater are my favorite with popcorn. And my husband would just come home with some, like, a two cups full of jalapenos. And then all of a sudden, I'd, like, break down crying and, like, say, oh, my God, this is so much better stupid flowers. Like, God would just, mm-hmm. like, kill me with you know, touched me with this acts of love that like were so tiny but meant the world to me. And God just kept coming through after coming through and after coming through. But that also comes with my husband also seeking God and being obedient to what God was doing with him about and me seeking God while I was at home battling, you know, being obedient to God's voice and just listening to that sound mind and just having faith and go with it instead of just always doing what I was feeling or like reacting on my emotions. And um, I just remember like always feeling like, like, man, like I, 
I felt like growing up, I was never heard, or I think it had a lot to do with like the rejection or the abandonment that I always was always nagging my husband. Like I was always, and I I hate to like think that I was like that bad, but I probably was because like I felt like he didn't hear me. I wanted to install things in his head, like you know. Um, so with all of with the affair, I just remember. You know, before I had got had that 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 deliverance, I remember like I wanted him to hurt the way I was hurting. I wanted him to suffer the way I was suffering, and so I I knew nothing like better than to nag him and to try to hurt him. So I would say mean things or nasty things to him, and I didn't mean it, but I just wanted to break him. You know, the way I was broken. And God, like, really was dealing with me. Like, God was really like, how are you going to, like, treat him like that when he's already been forgiven? Or how are you going to, um, um, like, I just had to trust God that God was going to, like, deal with him. And so I remember, like, finally surrendering and just giving it to God and just saying, you know what? Like, I trust you. Like, it's out of my hands. I can't get through to him. You're going to, I, you're going to have to, like, get through to him. Like, I would literally talk to God like that. Like, I want him to understand what he's done. I want mm -hmm. him to realize that he literally almost lost everything, you know? And I remember my husband coming home one day, and he was in tears. And I was like, what's wrong? And he was just like, um, I just, I can't believe, like, that I put you through that. I can't believe I almost lost the kids. I can't believe that. Like, he was like, really remorseful and really like sad about it and I just knew it was genuine and in that moment like selfishly I wanted to like laugh because I was like thank you thank you God like he gets it like but I knew that that was God like when I say God kept on coming through after I genuinely surrendered like God really did and like was showing me that he was in control and showing me that like he's really like in control of our lives like and I just had to just give it to him because there was nothing that I can do that was gonna was gonna change anything like I because I was a control freak for once in my life I realized I cannot be in control of my life anymore I have mm -hmm. to surrender my way does not work and once I did that just God started just moving and I just remember like getting into my word and I was like you know, when you first get saved, you're like always talking about God and always in your word and always, you know, you just want to like shout out to the world like that you're saved and God touched you and you want to share with everybody what you experienced. And in that time, like God was just revealing so much to me. And I was just like, wow, like, although some may feel like or think that my husband has really gotten away with it, you know, or some people may think like, how can she just forgive him, you know? But although I don't blame myself for what my husband has done, I understand and I um, got revealed to me how I contribute to pushing him out the door mm -hmm. because our culture is like, oh, women power and, oh, mommy's the boss and, oh, girls have to, like, be the dominant one and, we don't allow men to be leaders. 
you know, and, and I don't, I can't, I can't talk for everyone why at all the other women are like that. But for me, it was because of, you know, my upbringing, but I didn't allow him to, to be a man. You know, I took that from him. And because I did that, he found it somewhere else where for once in his life, he felt like he was in control of something. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, my husband deals with his own issues. Like, you know, I won't go in, into depth with that, but he grew up without his dad. He grew up with a single mom. He grew up with a house full of girls. You know what I mean? So I, he was, you know, innocently battling his own things. And then here I am, like, coming, like, a raging war, and just he just fell into it because it was easy. I just seen was going to take care of everything. He didn't have to do anything. He was never challenged, you know. But men are, like, they have that in them. Like, God puts that in them for them to be leaders. And when they don't have it, they're going to find it somewhere. It's going to leak out somewhere, you know. And so I just, like, I just, it was a huge, huge humbling experience. Because yeah. God also revealed to me my fault. And I think the hardest part of all of that was grieving my marriage before we got saved, which you would think it'd be easy because you're like looking forward to what God has in store, but that's where your faith comes in because you don't know what the outcome is. You're trusting that God's going to change everything and you're hoping for the best, but do you really know? No, until you surrender. And when you surrender and you're obedient to God, then your faith's going to flow. Everything's going to fall in order. God's going to open doors and you're going to be blessed because God's going to have favor in that. But at the time I was like, wow, like why, why did I have to go through this? (laughs) But honestly, I would do it all over again because at the end of the day, I, went through what I went through, but I am more blessed than I was before. I have a man now who is a man of God, who wants to serve God, who is now helping me raise these, these, I have, I'm a, I'm a boy mom. I have three boys, you know, he's now leading them to serve God. Um, my, my business is flowing. My husband has a good job. Like, and we're serving God. We have our salvation, which is the most important thing in life, is our mm-hmm. salvation. And now I have a man by my side who's willing to serve and who fears God and who's obedient to God. And now it's just like, wow, God, like through all of that, I am still blessed. And I'll do it all over again because now, although that's my husband and I's testimony, at the end of the day, we're not serving God for ourselves anymore. We're serving God for my kids to mm-hmm. lead them. They're at the end of the day, they're not even my kids. They're, they belong to God. And it's God entrusted me in guiding them to the true father, just like how I was. Like God revealed to me too. Like I didn't have my parents, but all of that, like my parents not being there, and my grandparents, you know, doing things the way that they did things, both sides, and us being dragged from house to house, and my whole upbringing. God, like, 
literally like none of that even matters. People fall into this victim mentality and just it's just an excuse to be worldly and do bad things and fall into that victim mentality when all reality, if we just realize that God is our true father, he is going to bless me more than my parents could ever bless me. He is going to guide me better than my parents could ever. They're man at the end of the day. They're leaking vessels. They're going to disappoint us. And the ones that are going to hurt us the most are the closest to us. Right. But if we have God in the center of our lives, you like just because we serve God doesn't mean that we're exempt from 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 trials and tribulations. It just means that we have peace going through it all because if anything, we're gonna get it worse. Because the enemy right. is, you know, is a sore loser and he wants us to to stumble. You know. Right. But he's I, gonna stop our path because he doesn't want anybody to hear your story. <laughs> Exactly. Like, like everything has been going against me sharing this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Everything has been going bad up until leading to the moment. <laughs> right. And, um, I, I love everything you say. And to be honest with you, I think that you'd be surprised to find out that we probably have very similar stories, like you said, about the, I think that it's a generational thing where women are raised to be independent. And I mean, think about like the music that we grew up listening to, independent women, independent girls, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that. It's like everything is telling us you don't need a man. You know, you should have your own money. You shouldn't be relying on a man. And then it's also putting down men, you know, like we don't need you. Well, like Ephesians 525 where it it specifies like a husband is to love their wives as God loves the as as God and loves and respects the church. Like there's a reason for that. It's because they God knows what what we're gonna come short of. So that's why he like specifies it in his word. And then especially like how he says a woman is supposed to submit to their husband as a reflection of their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. They, women hear that word submit and they're like, oh, I'm not going to submit under any right. guy. Like, I, like, no way. Like, I, I, you know, they think it's such a bad thing. But if you're submitted to your husband, then that shows the reflection of your relationship with God. And for me, I want to be close to God. I want to be like, I want to be in his presence. I want to be obedient to him. I want to follow in his will because, like, He's our father. He like mm-hmm. he's our king, you know? And if I'm and if I'm not like aligned with with his will, then my life's gonna I'm making it harder for ourselves. And that's that's the glory of God. God gives us free will. We all at the end of the day, we all have a choice to make. Or and that's why it also says like to deny yourself and pick up your cross. Mm-hmm. I literally had to deny Every thought I had against my husband, every feeling I had against him, and literally pick up my cross and do God's will, although I had ground for divorce. I Like the word says, like, you can get a divorce if, if there's, you know, a, an affair or whatever. Um, so that was very confusing where people, like, I have had people tell me, like, well, if you had ground, why didn't you do it? Well, when God says no, it's no. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had grounds for someone who is worldly, 
or, you know, like whatever. Every Everybody's situation is different. But for me, God showed me, you did things your way, worldly, and it, it led you to destruction. You need to do things my way. Now, if he messes up again, he knows better. Should he have known better before? Yes. Should he have had common sense before? Yes. But clearly, we weren't seeking God's will. So, like, we have to give God a chance and to be in the center of our home and to move. And then, you know, go from there. And so, like, that was hard. That was, that was so hard. But, but that trial was, it became your testimony. So now, it, and you, I mean, I know you said that you probably haven't shared it, like, super publicly before, but, like, now someone's going to hear this, that maybe they're going through something with their husband. Or I think about the single ladies. I think about the people that aren't married yet. And I think, you know, they, they have the opportunity to either seek a, you know, to seek a man of God, you know, mm-hmm. not even either. They have the opportunity to seek a man of God. I have a, I have a daughter. And, yeah. and I think about her and I'm like, well, she gets to, she, she's got to see me, my husband, her dad, her stepmom before God. And she got to see all of us transform. Yeah, saw, like my old enough to see it, like your son. Yeah, like my son. Just last weekend, he's my son goes out in the street and he's street preaching. Like my my boys want to be pastors. Like and I homeschool my boys, and it's just like even God revealed like you know everything that's going on in the world and the government and politics and and you know a lot of the reasons why like you know I cut back and you know what our our lifestyle completely changed but like just just that like my my kids being filled with the holy spirit like my son is six years old and he doesn't feel good and he starts laying hands and starts praying for for deliverance and healing like that's like i look at them and i'm like it melts my heart like that is what life is about that is what that is what our purpose here is to to be set apart and also to share the gospel. But, and and even just us, our lifestyle, being set apart and being the salt of the, the world, like people seeing us and just thinking like, man, like what do they have that I don't have? Just like how I used to look at the, up to people in the church, like what do they have that I don't have? I have that now and now my kids are living it. Right. Everything that God has revealed to me, I can't unknow what I know. Like, I, there's no other way of living. And even when I, like, when I stopped drinking, because when my husband and I, when finally I got delivered, um, that week that I told you that, well, like, we cleaned house. Like, I'm telling you, we stopped drinking. Um, we, we, we don't celebrate certain holidays. Uh, we went cold turkey. My kids are hardcore, but like they're all, they all come from like convictions. And I remember just feeling like even dabbling, you know, you get those thoughts of like, um, we're leaking vessels. So we get those thoughts of like, well, I could drink occasionally or I could drink, you know, only when, you know, when, when I go out to dinner, it's just one or two. And I just remember God putting it in my heart, like, okay, yeah, you can drink, but you know how when you drink one or two and you just get lazy, like you're not drunk, but it just relaxes you. I remember feeling like 
I remember having the thought like, yeah, you can drink, but have one or two and you just oversleep and you miss my calling and your kids are going to be gone without you. And mm-hmm. I just, I woke up feeling so convicted. I was like, I can never miss Noah's art. <laughs> Be with my kids. <laughs> no way that I can even dabble in occasionally drinking because I want to be wherever my kids are at. And so ever since God gave me that that vision and that revelation, I was just like, all right, God, I'm all yours. I'm all in. <laughs> you know, I ain't dabbling with nothing no more. And that that's, we need to see God in everything. And those convictions are only not because God's a dictator or because he's, you know, like trying to punish us or not make life fun. But I feel like I have more fun now serving God than I have ever in my life. You know, yeah. like I genuinely want to be around people that love God. I genuinely want to be around people that 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 w- live the lifestyle of like being clean and being cleansed because we're leaking vessels like we need that support and that community because we need to you know hold even myself accountable or you know take accountability you know like it's it's good for our soul (laughs) yeah and i think um something to take from this too i i was talking about this to the bible study girls it's like when I was a new Christian and when I was newly sober and I was newly changing my life, I needed to be around people that were doing better than me. But Mm -hmm. now that I'm solid in my faith and I'm solid in my conviction, I need to be around people who aren't doing as good as me so that I can be a light to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's, of course, you have to be strong in the first year, two years, and, yeah, you might have to be separated. You might have to separate yourself because the enemy's going to try to attack and try to tempt you, and the temptation will be there. And if you're, you know, weak to temptation, then don't even surround yourself with that. But there's something about being in the room with people and people seeing how happy and how much you shine and how much light you have. And they want that. And when you tell them why you have it, they're They might be confused at first, but with being around you enough, they'll see, oh, no, that's that's, she's for real. Like, that's really God. Like, maybe I do need to go to church. Maybe I do need to open my Bible. Maybe I do need to try this Bible study or, you know, just change a little bit of my ways. And that's like the open door is people. It's people that speak the truth and that shine light on on the people that really need it. Thank <laughs> you so much for that. That was an awesome conversation, and obviously your testimony is awesome, and I am I know that that's going to help somebody today. So, <laughs> Okay, we'll see you. Thank you so much.